With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Keep Sounding Podcast. This is your bi-week edition. This is Brian, joined by John, as always. John, how are you doing? I'm doing, doing well, Brian. How was Thanks your Thanks for Thanksgiving? having me on the show. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was good. Um, it, was, it was different Thanksgiving than normal, just because of conflicting plans and stuff, but it was a good, uh, it was a good weekend. You got to let like the family dispersed, and mm-hmm. then my immediate family, like my immediate family did. And then we had our own little mini Thanksgiving on Saturday and just talked about family gossip. So it was a fun time. Good. Glad to hear it. <laughs> Mine was mostly talking to Eagles fans over Thanksgiving. So I'm sure that was pleasant. Yeah, their team's really good. My team's really yeah, not, no one. So. Yeah, I mean, like, their team is better than every other team. So there's no one that they like, can shut them up if you like, nope. get them talking in, you know, talking about football. Right. Yeah, no, they're just very excited to talk about how good their team is. So. Must be nice. Yeah, it must be real nice. But... I mean, I know we the Panthers won, so that's cool. But like, we're still bad. We just we came across a worse team. We're just less worse than we yeah. thought we were. Right. Exactly. Um. But we did take a little bit of a break uh, for Thanksgiving. It was kind of hard to uh, the aforementioned holiday. Yes. Yeah, it was hard to schedule the podcast just with everything else going on in our personal lives. So we took a little bit of a break, but. So we'll break down the game that we didn't get a chance to break down yet. Panthers-Ravens. That was really fun, John. Everyone is so excited to come back to this game, I'm sure, to revisit. Yeah. So I have a a, one of my real good friends is a Ravens fan, and he came by to to watch the game because it's like, yeah, our two teams are playing each other. That doesn't happen very often. Like, let's watch the game. And boy, did it suck. Oh, yeah. For, I mean, like, everybody. Like, neutral observer, Panthers fan, Ravens fan, no one would have enjoyed watching that game. I wanted to turn it off by halftime. I was just fed <laughs> up. Yeah. Just just bad. Bad football all the way around. I mean, like, kudos to the defense, which they're going to be a recurring theme in while we talk today. But, like, the uh, in, just in terms of, like, football watchability, the, the it was punt, punt, punt. Punt, 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 interception, <laughs> punt, field goal. That was the first half. Yep. So, and the Panthers were all punts. So, it, it, it nothing exciting happened. Oh, but don't worry. It got even better after quarter two because it was just punt, punt, field goal by the Panthers. Punt, punt, field goal by the Ravens. 
<laughs> fumble by the Panthers, touchdown by the Ravens, turnover on downs, punt by the Ravens, interception by the Panthers, <laughs> punt by the Ravens, interception <laughs> by the Panthers, end of game. Ravens win 13 to 3. Yeah, some stuff started happening at the end where at least like one, the Ravens got into the end zone. So just again, from like a pure football perspective, like yay, like touchdowns. Somebody and scored. then also yeah. <laughs> right, and then also just like the ball changing hands, like the fumbles and the turnover, like the turnovers and stuff. Um, at least makes games more exciting. Now, from a Panthers perspective, four can. I don't. Why don't turnover run downs count as turnovers? They should, right? They should. I think. Yeah. It's the but, same thing as throwing a pick on fourth down. Right. Yeah. Right. Like. If you, if you throw an interception on fourth down, it counts as a turnover. And if you just like spike the ball in incomplete and the other team gets the ball in a better spot, it's not a turnover. But uh, if the Panthers turn the ball over four consecutive possessions and it just a colossal spiral out of control into the fourth quarter. So that was a good, a, a good, just kind of like, Hey guys, don't forget who you are. And they're like, Oh yeah, that's right. And then here, it will just give the ball to the Ravens over and over again until they finally decide to put the game away. Yeah, and once again, Carolina in that game decided to have Baker Mayfield throw the ball a lot, and that didn't work out well for them. Uh, 21 of 33 passing for 196 yards. uh, No touchdowns, 5.9 yards per attempt, two interceptions, four sacks, just not good. Baker Mayfield basically probably ended his, uh, his time as a Panthers starting quarterback in that game. Oh, in the now, strong in the defense, in the defense of the play calling, the the Panthers running backs had 15 carries for 24 yards. So like, yeah, it's not like running the ball was working either. Like that's less than two yards per carry. You can't can't move the sticks like that, Brian. No, you really can't. So it was just overall a bad game. Carolina, it Carolina kept themselves in it. So I'll give them that. I'll give them that credit. But just not a good game. There's not really much to be said. They hit a buzzsaw with the Ravens who were also playing equally bad and have continued to play bad since then. So, you know, yeah, yeah, not, not great, but at least they bounced back with the new quarterback, which by the way, very funny that like the ESPN headline, a summary of like the game recap is, well, did you have anything else about the Ravens game? Before we no, we can go. We can move right on. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't think people. I think people got to turn off the show if we talk about yeah, that much because they have a better a better game to talk about. Um, the headline is Darnold leads Panthers past reeling Broncos, and I feel like that's such a misleading headline. Because <laughs> yeah. Sam Darnold could hardly have done less. Like he didn't do anything bad to his credit, but like in terms of contributing to the victory, like very much a passenger in that in that win. Like he had a couple nice throws to DJ Moore. And they were like only to DJ Moore. And other than that, it was just like, dang, look at Deontay Foreman go. He also fumbled his own uh, rushing attempt into the right. end zone, which turned into a rushing touchdown for him. So good for him. Right. But we we ran the ball 46 times and threw it 19. Yep. That's what this like, team is built for. Right. And like I said, kudos to Sam for not messing up in a terrible fashion when he did throw the ball. But like, he he he. We didn't ask him to do too much. He was he was pretty uh had the weight off his shoulders for the most part. Well, it's funny that I feel like the plan all along with Sam Darnold was for him to be basically just a game manager who kind of run the ball sometimes and make a couple of pretty throws, which he made a very pretty throw to DJ Moore for that one touchdown. That was just 
Mm-hmm. That was one of those plays where you see it and you're just like, God, I see why teams saw something in Sam Darnold. Because that, right. that throw in the end zone where he was just it, – it was thrown across the field, just dr- dropped it into the basket of DJ Moore in the end zone was really nice. Really, really nice. Um, I do feel bad for Sam Darnold, but just because he's been so – maligned as the Panthers quarterback but he I mean he did he did what ex- exactly what they would have expected him to do in this game they came out they ran the ball a lot uh the defense played well and he just didn't fuck up he didn't as I said in the offensive uh bye week review he didn't void his bowels on the field That's right all we needed him not to do and yeah the Panthers beat the Broncos which was really honestly I know there's a lot of fans out there who really want Carolina to lose every game possible, and I get that. But beating Russell Wilson was just really nice. I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, don't worry. We got plenty more chances to lose games, guys. Don't worry. Yeah. Well, their schedule is pretty soft coming up, so there is a chance they might make the playoffs, Sean. (laughs) Not outside the realm of possibility. They're going to lose at the Seahawks. They're going to lose. I think they're going to lose all the road games. They can maybe beat the Steelers. We'll see. Yeah, just depends on how the rushing game goes. I mean, they go anywhere from rushing for 185 yards to rushing for 21 yards. So right. just depends. <laughs> but yes, but it is very satisfying to be Russell Wilson, who I'll let you, I know that was this is your time to shine. But like he's always rubbed me the wrong way in his very uh, disingenuous seeming like good guy personality and that when now that he's on a bad team and he's like part of the problem and he's still the same dude boy oh boy is it fun to watch him implode my thing with russell wilson and touching on the disingenuous part but he almost became more disingenuous when he when he went to the broncos oh yeah he like really leaned into the character that he plays yeah, like the those subway commercials, for example, where he was right. talking about his whatever sub, calling it spicy, even though all it had on it was mustard, for example. Um, yeah, he just very much is per- portraying a character, and he's not a good actor, so you don't you you see through it right away as just an outside observer. But the Broncos really talked themselves into Russell Wilson. And I know the Panthers did make a play for him. So thank God they didn't get him, but right. Seahawks fans were screaming up and down after the trade that he was kind of washed. And it sounds like he might be, I mean, he's, he's not really hitting throws down the field all that consistently. Um, Not really like, I guess the whole thing with him in Seattle was just he'd run around a lot towards the end and find somebody down the field. And, you know, a defense can't hold a wide receiver for too long. It's just at some point they're going to get open just because you can't you can't have your defensive backs running around for 10 seconds and expect expect them to cover a wide receiver who's just finding a way to get open. But. Yeah, Russell Wilson is also just oh, go ahead. uh, Also, there was a story a couple weeks ago that he's. um. Uh, he's using like code words and audibles from the Seahawks and the Broncos are like, what are you talking about? I don't know what that word is. <laughs> yeah. My my favorite was when the one defensive lineman from the Broncos walked over and just shouted at him. It was basically like, we need to get this going. And During the Panthers pre- game? Yeah, during the Panthers game. And uh, in his press conference later, he basically acknowledged the guy. He's like, yeah, we do need to get this going. He's like, well, Russell, 
That's on <laughs> right? you, buddy. You're running the offense. Right. He's like, yeah, I loved it, man. I love the fire. We're just trying to get better, you know, man. Every day we're trying to – it's just I love that we really care about winning. I love these guys. And it's just like, no, Russell, no, shut up and play better. Yeah. Like the story about him, like on the plane, like to, to London. And oh, he's, my like, God. Yeah. Exercising in the aisle. Like you're, you're doing too much, man. Like you're also really like – I think he thinks he's making himself look really good. Like, wow, he's such a hard worker. What a good leader. And it's like, you're playing so badly that you're making, you're digging yourself in a deeper hole when you're like, look at how much I care and how much work I put in. It's like, yeah, you're still terrible. Like you need to do something. He's different. trying too hard to no be one's Tom impressed. Brady. Yeah. Yeah. And like, to me as a former football player, if my quarterback was sitting there doing high knees on the school bus while I'm trying to sleep, Right. I would be pissed off at him if he wasn't playing superbly in that game. It's right. Like it, you it, woke it, my ass up doing high knees in the fucking aisles just to show everybody, oh look how look how much of a hard worker I am. Like you know, mm-hmm. all about the team, blah blah blah. Like he is just the fakest quarterback in what, the NFL what's funny right now. Is all these positive things about him are like not when I say positive, I mean like how hard he works type of things. They're always reported on by Russell Wilson. Like, he's the one that tells people that he does these things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, wow, like, you know, you know what's crazy. I did all this crazy stuff, you guys. Isn't that crazy? It's never like, little fun fact behind the scenes, Russell Wilson did this. It's always like Russell Wilson in an interview, Russell Wilson in an interview being like, yeah, guys, you know, because that's why I put in this effort. That's why I work out on the plane in between while everybody else is napping and I'm watching film before I, in between my workouts. It's like, no one asked you. And also, that's the psycho move. Like, please don't do that. <laughs> it's funny because, like, even looking at it in retrospect with someone like Luke Keekley, like, mm-hmm. we would hear about Luke Keekley doing all this extracurricular stuff, mm-hmm. but it almost never came from him. It was never, he was always the right. most, like, just genuinely, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like, hardworking, like, like, hard, I'm trying, I'm trying to think now, what is the word I'm looking for? But he was just, he never really boasted about himself, I guess is the best way to put it. Like he wasn't, he yeah. wasn't like gassing himself up in the media. Um, he just did his thing. Like he was obsessed with football and you'd hear about it on the back end, but it was never like, Oh, look at all these things Luke Keekley is doing to be a better player. And it translated on the field when you heard about how much of a nerd he was on, on film where it's like, you hear all this stuff about Russell Wilson and how he's like watching film and stuff. And doing all this extra work and it's not translating on the field. It just looks like shit. Right. I was also, I still have this report. Humble. Up. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. Humble. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the tweet from the, from like the radio interview where it was Tyler Columbus uh, saying he's using code words from inside, from like the Seahawks. And someone replied and tagged uh, Benjamin Albright, who's a beat reporter for the Broncos. Uh, or in, um, He's like, say it ain't so, Benjamin Albright. And Albright's like, no, there's truth to that. And so, like, <laughs> uh, so, um, there's, that there's, is... there's that. That's pretty funny. And of course, there's another, like, report, like, from someone that's on the team. He's like, no, he's never done that. But, like, people aren't going to admit that. Like, back no, they're not. the roster. They're just going to um, wait until, until until he's off the team and throw him on well, the Well, it's like with like the Seahawks. Many of the Seattle doing... players. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> and it just kind of shows, like, 
when you're winning, people are willing to tolerate things that, they, yeah, this is extremely annoying, but you're really, like, you're winning games for us, so I can put up with, like, you're just a weird dude, but when stuff goes bad, no one has patience for it. So it's crazy that, like, the Seahawks had, like, one mediocre year under Russell with Russell Wilson under their helm, and then they got rid of him, and the players and even the coaching staff are like, boy, is that a weight off our shoulders? Oh, even Pete Carroll, uh, after that one that week one win, he kind of, like, threw him under the bus as well, which was very uncharacteristic of Pete Carroll. Mm-hmm. I forget what the quote was, but, yeah, he <laughs> – he pretty much was just like, I think his quote was something along the lines of people who have, who have been in the building know what it's all about. And right. It's funny There's because even, like, Oh, go ahead. Even like Tyler Lockett, who's like one of the good guys in the NFL, I think was, I think it was Tyler Lockett that says something along the lines of like, it's crazy what happens when people are playing for the team and not, the, and not for themselves or something like that. Yeah. When they thought, and they were talking about like Geno Smith, which is like, you know, what the kind of, the underlying messages under that. Mm-hmm. I'm pulling up the Pete Carroll uh, quote right now. Oh yeah, but uh, oh, oh, I'm finding it. Um, Gino's I just going think... off the wristband, and that's a big help. We never did there before. There was resistance to that, so we didn't do it before. Which is obviously Russell Wilson just not wanting to wear the wristband with the plays on it. I guess. Um, that almost seems then, like an uh, ego thing than any more than right. Anything. And then, uh, yeah, it, 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 a lot of it was just like quotes about like this is why Gino's been so good, and where we didn't have this before. Like, uh, he's going with the the play the play call and like going with the flow when the offensive coordinator calls plays and not questioning everything, and uh, you know, pushing back on stuff. So that's um, yeah, that's 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 kind of the message. Yeah, and like I was saying before, just a random uh, observation, but if you're trying to be Tom Brady, you better be as successful as Tom Brady. Like, I just right. thinking about it from the aspect of, so we heard all this this talk about Tom Brady, like sending text messages to all his wide receivers late at night about different yeah. play ideas he had and stuff like that. Well, it's Tom fucking Brady, and they won a Super Bowl that right. year. Where a guy like Russell Wilson doing all that stuff and not being successful, then it just become, comes across as being a douche. Right. Yeah. So So if there's if I had to pick one game one team to beat, it's it's the Broncos. And I feel bad well, no, I don't. You shouldn't. I mean, I guess I feel I feel bad for the Broncos players that have to lose games. Russell Wilson is quarterback, but the Broncos have had some good fortune with quarterbacks lately. They're okay. They'll be okay to have some Yeah, they had themselves a Super time, Bowl with bit. Peyton Manning. You know, it's fine. And they also got like one of like arguably the greatest quarterback season of all time from Peyton Manning, just yep. like coming in from nowhere. So unfortunately spoiled by Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, but yeah. Yeah. But now they, yes. Yeah, so now they get to just deal with Russell Wilson. Yeah. The blowback. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, um, on the Panther side of things, shout out uh, Brian Burns. Oh yeah, sacks. absolutely. So defensive player of the week. And he's now tied for fifth in the league in sacks. Yeah, Brian Burns is definitely uh, making a case for his extension. And I really, really hope that if they do extend him, which I think they should, obviously, but I really hope they they shift to some kind of 3-4 defense where he's not playing defensive end a lot because he's clearly better when he's playing stand-up rusher and just mm-hmm. blowing shit up in the backfield. Um, 
They still need to compliment him. I do understand why Panthers fans are upset about the fact that they retained uh, Dante Jackson instead of Hassan Reddick. Um, I kind of expected Marquise Haynes and uh, Peter Gross Matos to kind of take over as like a 50-50 starter and and kind of replace that production, but clearly they haven't. Haynes is still on pace for the most sacks of his career, so he's been good as a rotational pass rusher, but Peter Gross Matos is still not living up to the name there. Um, it's tough because Burns is really the only guy who's making a lot of who's making plays on those passing downs. Aside from Derek Brown, I feel bad for Derek Brown because he's playing a lot fucking better than his stats are indicating. Because he blo- he is the set the focal point of the offense's uh, protection at this point. He is blowing up plays constantly. He is kind of coming into his own. Unfortunately, he's just on a team where the only other player that is really super productive as far as rushing the passer is Brian Burns. I think they need somebody else opposite him to really nail down the pass rush. Not to say the pass rush has been bad. It's just not as good as it was last year. Yeah, it's kind of middling. Yeah. Jeremy Chin returned this week as well. Yeah, he had a, a, a tackle early. I mean, he only had one tackle, but it was like early in the game, and it was like a big hit to stop the Broncos from picking up a, th- a first down and, like, force the punt. Yeah, it was a and, third down play. Yeah, he just right. stonewalled the guy. Yeah, and it was one of those things where it's like, wow, that's a great game by Jeremy Chin, even though that was literally the only, like, <laughs> the only play he had. Yeah. But since it was early in the game, we're like, yeah, Jeremy Chin's back. So nice to have him. Yep. Um, the other, the other, I think, defensive player that uh, I saw, and I need to pull up the tweet now, um, because we haven't really talked about him much. But J.C. Horn's really good. Yeah, he is really, really good. And I'm going to pull up the stats. Um, And they are his, – his, like, coverage numbers this year are crazy from PFF. It's from PFF, so now I have to, 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 to find it again. Um, I should have just left it up. It really, it really is a shame, and I'll let you pull that up while I say this. Um, It really is a shame because there are so many fans out there who are like, well, the Panthers should have drafted Justin Fields instead. Which is Fair. not a terrible Fair. point, but J.C. Horn is a fucking baller. He's just he's a monster, and I feel bad because he's stuck with. Apparently, C.J. Henderson just sucks. It's at, at this point that's just where where he's at, and then he's got to deal with Keith Taylor and uh, a bunch of backups opposite him. And it's not like the defense has been bad; like they've been they've done well. But J.C. Horn just consistently makes plays both in pass coverage run coverage, and rushing the passer. I mean, there have been a number of sacks where J.C. Horn was in on it, uh, pressuring the passer that helped the other the rest of the defense get the sack. J.C. Horn's just really fucking good. Like, he was worth that eighth overall pick. I'm sure at some point in, like, 10 years down the road, if Justin Fields turns out to be a franchise quarterback, we're going to look back and say, well, we probably should have taken Justin Fields. But I like J.C. Horn. I like him a lot. I liked him since the day we drafted him, and he is still right. paying dividends on that front. So this is where we do the whole, like, how to be a fan thing, which is, I know, like, kind of mean, but uh, the, the you can definitely forever make a case that the Panthers should have taken Justin Fields instead of J.C. Horn, but they didn't, so just let it go. Like, just enjoy J.C. Horn for being J.C. Horn. Um, 
BFF has uh, J.C. Horn among quarterbacks with 200 coverage snaps. He's allowed 138 yards, which is the fewest. Four first downs. Four, which is the fewest. And a 38.3 passer rating, which is the lowest. So among uh, yards allowed, first down catches allowed, and passer rating allowed, he's the best in all of them this year. Now, one caveat to this is the the wide receiver um the catalog of wide receivers the Panthers have played this year is like really bad. Mm. But still, uh being the best, you have to be good to be the best even if your opponents are weak. I mean he's gotten to face what, Amari Cooper, Mike Evans, a- um Bengals wide receivers, T. Higgins, for example. Well, Chase uh, was out. Yeah. I mean T. Higgins yeah. is good, yeah. But Yeah, T. Um, Higgins is good. But yeah, they um yeah, I forgot about the Mike Evans one. But yeah, other for the most part, yeah, he's had it's been not the best Castle RC. I mean Debo Samuels in there too. And Debo Samuels did Debo Samuel did nothing yeah. in that game. So like, yeah, JC Horn's good. Um he he's the it's it's kind of like reminds me of the um Chris Gamble kind of good that we had and where uh he was really good for a little stretch near the end of his career, but it got no recognition because it was just like he didn't get any picks or any – he just didn't get targeted, and no one really noticed because he just never got targeted. Doesn't the Horn have, like, busy. three picks this year? Yeah, which is good, and it's it's just, like, one of those things where, like, he's not – he's not getting targeted, So like because and part of it's because of Henderson being weak on the other side. Right. Uh, when he, But, like, because then it just becomes a, a game of, like, God, Henderson just getting roasted over and over again, and that kind of takes everyone's attention from the fact that just like, has anyone noticed that like the other receiver hasn't gotten thrown at at all? I mean, I even go a step further. Like Gamble was great; he was one of my favorite Panthers players of all time. But J.C. Horn just steps up in the running game, the blitzing game. He's just a monster all around. I mean, like there have been a number of times where I've seen him bearing down on a quarterback. And even if he doesn't get the sack, even if the defense doesn't get a sack, it causes a bad throw. Like there was one where J.C. Horn leapt like 10 feet in the air and the quarterback had to throw it over him. And it was just a terrible pass. Like that's the kind of shit that J.C. Horn is good at. He's he can just be anywhere. He can do everything for them. That's the kind of like the Panthers have a, haven't had a player like that since maybe Mike Minter and I guess Chris Gamble, though I think that he was more of a uh, outside corner than anything. Yeah, yeah, and Horn goes into the slot a lot too, which is something that very that not a lot of corners do. I think it's happening a little bit more than it used to. But, Most of um, the elite corners in the league do that, but that's only a few of them. So yeah, I like Horn. I'm on the Horn bandwagon. <laughs> Um, yeah, so to kind of like, yeah, so the defense, I think, is in a good spot, and I guess we can probably talk about that for, like, the kind of end of the show, right, mm-hmm. about how the outlook of the season, like, how the season has gone so far and the outlook going forward. Um, The defense definitely has pieces. I think that's kind of where this conversation has led us, right, where Brian Burns yes. is 10 sacks, he's fifth in the league in sacks, he's fourth in the league in tackles for loss. Uh. He's very good. J.C. Horn is very good. Jeremy Chin's very good. Frankie Lulu's very good. Um, Derek Brown's very good. So, like, the defense has got lots of very good players. We just need to get that offense. That offense just needs to get cooking. 
We got ourselves a football team. Xavier Woods is also a very good safety. I'd actually like to see them use one of their second round picks in this next draft on a safety. And the only reason I say that you've been pushing that for several years, Brian. I know, but the only reason I say that is I think Jeremy Chin thrives more in the the linebacker esque role. Like maybe like not to I just don't like him as a pure safety at this point. It's Mm. very clear he's most successful uh kind of being a wrecking ball. So whether he's more of a box safety or like a strong, a big nickel, I just want to see him more around the line of scrimmage because he's a big hitter. And so I'd like to see them find another safety where he can just kind of roam and be their, their roam guy, their spy guy, their robber guy. Like that's where I want to see Jeremy Chin at. So I don't know if they'll do it, but that's kind of where I, I stand with Jeremy Chin. But other than that, yeah, I agree. I mean, J.C. Horn's probably already in the top conversation of, like, top five, six corners in the league. Um, Brian Burns coming into his own. Derek Brown wrecking shit. Frankie Louvu, we get him for another year, thankfully, because he's been a monster all season. So they have another another year to add some more pieces, and obviously they got to add a quarterback. They got They have some draft capital that they can build on that defense with, and they have an offensive line built up. They probably could use another receiver, but – Overall, I think it's just quarterback, round out that defense, and make the offense a little more productive. So. Especially because the offensive line's been as good as it is, and then you know all of them are under contract again next year. The one, the one thing I worry about with the offense is the offensive line has been extraordinarily healthy this year, and for one, it shows how bad the quarterback play has been because a lot of times there's a very strong correlation between offensive line effectiveness and even almost more so the offensive line health and like offensive success and team success. So it's almost a rare case for a team to have a strong, like a healthy offensive line for an entire season and still be this bad on offense. Yep. Yeah, but, Baker Mayfield so, really dragged that down for them, for sure. Right. So now I, I worry just like how lucky can the Panthers be two years in a row um, with their offensive line? Because the unit is very good that we have on the field right now. It's just like, I don't know. It just it just feels too good to be true to expect the offensive line to be this healthy again with hopefully a better cast, like, you know, team they're blocking for. Yeah, it's all it's all luck. It could happen again. It it is all luck for sure. I mean, they as far as the offense goes, uh, Bradley Bozeman's the only player that they have to find a way to retain next year. But they do still have Pat Elfly, if I'm not mistaken, under contract. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd prefer they retain Bradley Bozeman, but we'll see. Um, As far as depth goes, I mean, Kate Mays has been getting his snaps in as a fullback, as an extra blocker. That was a sixth round pick for them last year, I want to say. Maybe fifth round pick on the offensive line. So mm-hmm. they do have some depth there. Uh Sam Tecklenburg, if he's able to stick around next year as well, he's a decent interior lineman who has done stuff for them. So they're in a good place as far as the offensive line goes. I don't want them to stop investing in it because I think that the best thing you can do is add more depth pieces to it. Um so, you know, those mid-round picks, third, fourth, fifth-round picks, maybe add some more guys, especially since I think oh, yeah. uh, I think uh, Cam Irving will pro- is not under contract next year. 
which is crazy to say because most Panther fans hate him, but he actually was one of the bigger reasons why they won the game last week because he was uh, used as an extra lineman and graded out very well PFF-wise. We, we uh, love using Cameroon as an offensive line. It, 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 I don't know how, if it, it's not as noticeable when you watch the games on, uh, on TV, but when I, I was at the Falcons game a couple weeks ago, and every other play, the official probably is so tired of it, but like every other play, the official has to come out and be like, number 75 is reporting is eligible. And it's like mm-hmm. half the plays on the drive, they have to announce out, out loud. So um, they've found a use for him for sure. I'll give him, I'll give Steve, Wil- Steve Wilkes credit. They're committed to their identity at this point. They started yes. the season saying they were going to be a power rushing team. For some reason, Matt Rule didn't do that. And then, once Matt Rule was ousted, now they're like, we're going to be a power rushing team. We're going to use multiple offensive linemen and multiple tight ends, and we're going to run the ball down your throat. So I'll take that. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's been it's they've made it work. Yeah. Did he get that McCaffrey guy up out of here? Yeah. All it t- all it took was getting rid of the best offensive player we've had in quite a while. Yeah. Right. We we didn't use Irving much uh, against the, the Ravens, but he was on the field for twenty nine percent of snaps and thirty five percent of snaps in the Falcons and Broncos game respectively. It's a lot of snaps for a uh, el- tackle eligible player. I do want to say I think I think that the Falcons game he came in because of injury for a little bit. If that was, it wasn't much. Like he was on the field as a extra tackle a lot that game. Okay. I might be wrong. I just I thought I remembered hearing that somebody was injured, but it didn't last long. I'm pulling so. up, I'm pulling up the deep numbers, but yeah. Either way, he's he gets a lot of snaps. Like the the Panthers have to be leading the league in tack, like plays with an extra tackle on the field. Um, that I would believe. No, all the Moten, Christensen, Corbett, Icky, and Bozeman all played 100 percent of snaps against the Falcons. No, yeah, well then so we had 19, I was wrong. 19 plays. 19 plays with an extra offensive lineman on the field. That's a lot. Well, I can't For give reference. Steve Wilk, I can't give Steve Wilkes shit. That's uh that's committing to your to your philosophy. Anyway, continue. For reference, the Falcons who also run the ball way too much had zero plays with an extra t- offensive lineman on the field. <laughs> they don't have the depth that we have, John. Yeah, they don't have Cam Irving, tight end yeah. tackle specialist. Right. Um. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. But as far as the rest of the offense goes, so you want to talk about wide receiver for a little bit before we move on to the running backs? Uh, I mean. It's basically the DJ it, Moore show. <laughs> yes, it is the DJ Moore show. And 
I, I've enjoyed seeing Terrence Marshall start to come on a little bit, and I wonder what he would look like in a more functional environment, I guess you would say. Yeah. I, mean, I don't think he's not good enough to be like, yeah, we don't need a wide receiver, but he's definitely intriguing. And uh, it, it'd be, especially with like Robbie Anderson got it'd be, I think it's good to kind of see, to target a wide receiver acquisition in the offseason. I don't necessarily think you need to invest like a bunch, like a high draft pick in it because you have DJ Moore and Terrace Marshall. And if you just find someone for depth, I think the Panthers are good there. But it's I actually like, funny like what they have there. It's actually funny. I think Terrace Marshall is filling the role that Robbie Anderson was supposed to fill now that Steve mm-hmm. Wilkes has taken over because he's very much the uh, 15, 20 yards down the field throw wide receiver. Right. He's, yeah, he's averaging 18 yards a catch, which is very yeah. high. Yeah, and that's because he's literally pretty much only throwing the ball down the field, and he's excelling. It's kind of hard for me to believe that Matt Rule couldn't find an, a role for him in this offense, but here we are. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I like Matt Rule. I excuse me. I like uh, Terrace Marshall a lot as far as the uh, the intermediate deep threat, and I think they're using uh, Lavisca Schnault well in a way to kind of like counterbalance that as the screen guy. The Mm-hmm. short yardage guy where he's just going to catch the ball and run the ball down the field. So I like what they're doing with the wide receivers, but I agree. They could probably bring in one more wide receiver and run with those four and shy Smith, though he hasn't really impressed me this season um, right. and be okay at wide receiver. Right. I think, I think, yeah, I don't think you need to, it's not a high priority addition, but I think you just shore up the unit. Like, like I think there's enough, between Marshall and Chenault and then maybe eventually Smith that like you kind of have this versatile deep receiving core with like a clear top guy in DJ Moore. And then if you just kind of add another threat, even if it's just like on the same level as Marshall and Chenault, just to kind of be rotation, like have rotations and have uh, different looks, then I think that's kind of where it can make that receiving core more dangerous. Yeah, I would agree. Maybe someone like a Marvin Jones type player, not yeah, Marvin right. Jones specifically, but that kind of skill set. Yeah, that I kind of yeah, it. that kind of acquisition like the the Jaguars made mm-hmm. with him a couple of years ago when they got exactly. Yep. So I feel good about the wide receiver core. Obviously, a lot of it comes down to the quarterback. But before we were, before we get into the quarterback, let's just talk about the running backs briefly. Um, Deontay Foreman, very good. Do we re-sign him in the offseason? Question mark. Probably. Yeah, I would think so. Even I mean, if they... Good. Yeah, I was going to say, even if they choose to draft a running back with one of their two second-round picks, which I think would be a good idea, it's not like, as long as the, the, whoever this new coach is doesn't decide to Matt rule it and only give Foreman one carry per game, I think that could be a really effective uh, rushing attack if you retain most of the pieces of the offensive line and you keep Foreman, you draft a young guy, you pair him with Chuba Hubbard and maybe Raheem Blackshear, and you just have a nice solid core of running backs and kind of go by committee until someone gets the hot hand. I think that would be a good approach for the way the offense is structured at this point. Right. I think running backs, you just kind of like, it's one of those things that I think you, uh, and it's kind of like offensive linemen, like you touched on a little bit ago, where it's not a bad idea to just take one in the mid rounds every couple of years and see if one pops. Right, because because it doesn't hurt you if you miss like if you whiff on the picks, and but like you have the highest 
chance of a hit on a running back in the middle round. So it's just like after you kind of go after your targets with the first couple and like the first round or two on like where you really have need, just like, you know, throw a third round pick at a lineman, throw a fourth round pick at a running back every couple of years just to keep the cupboard stocked and see if one one pops. Right. And not and I only agree with that strategy as far as running back goes if you haven't already invested a top ten pick in a running back like right, Christian McCaffrey. Right, right, right. They're yeah, in a no, good situation now. Right. Yeah, they're they're in a good situation now because they can do that because they don't have a lot invested in the running back position. So Which is the right way I think to build a team is that you just that's what I'm is you kind of and it's kinda of, it's a little dehumanizing, but you just kinda of like, you know, Fine, and until you find one that's good, right? And then if one hits, and then you're like, you ride it out until they start to slow down, and then you start, and then you start the process over again, right? Like, you know, we draft the running back in the fourth round this year, and they back up Foreman, and they're like, oh, they're good enough to shoulder the load. And then you know, you do that for a couple of years, and then you find like, oh, maybe they're starting to slow down. Let's start the whole like running back, uh, you know, carpet bomb approach and see if one, if we can hit another one, and let this other guy walk before he completely his legs fall off. And you just right. kind of use that as your running back rotation long term. Again, it's kind of an inhuman approach because you're talking about like this guy's uh, washed at like 25, but that's kind of how running backs work. Like you just said, the Panthers need to get a good, a young running back behind Deontay Foreman. And Deontay Foreman is 26 years old. So, like, that's just kind of the nature of the position. Unfortunately, at this point, it is. There's not many that really take over the game aside from the really top end guys like Jonathan Taylor and Saquon Barkley. And even then they could fall off over the next couple of years. I so. mean, look at uh, the Cowboys. Yep. Like Ezekiel Elliott was like, yeah, Ezekiel Elliott was like the guy and a really, really highly regarded uh, running back prospect. And he looks borderline washed and looks like the second best running back on the Cowboys. And he's 27 years old. And it's been that way for a couple of years now. Yep. So uh, it, it, Comes at you fast. Life comes at you fast as a running back in the NFL. Yep. Running back by committee is the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even want to talk about the tight ends because they've been basically an extension of the offensive line. <laughs> they, Yeah, they're, they're just smaller, faster linemen. They've had a few plays. Like Tommy Tremble had a nice touchdown pass earlier in the season. Like uh, Stefan Sullivan had a nice uh, catch in the season for some reason they want to make uh it says Ian a lot Thomas about the in possession when when one of the highlights of the year is like sullivan had a catch yeah so that was cool that was cool like yeah yeah i guess <laughs> overall they just need to find a better receiving tight end but as of right now their tight end game is very much just an ex- extension of the offensive line which fits their game plan so hey whatever but let's talk about the quarterbacks so Baker Mayfield, that's an F, right? Just straight yeah, up. He's, yeah, he's that's been a at least yeah. Um the 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 cost for that field experiment was much smaller than the Sam Darnold one. Right. That is hundred percent acceptable. Yeah. That was that was Matt Rule's last gasp, basically, and it turned out to yeah. be awful. I don't think I'd like I, I Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold last year are kind of neck and neck as far as like watching them in the pocket, as far as how frustrating it was. Oh yeah. Like the, the complete lack of awareness, which is funny because Sam Darnold was behind a really terrible offensive line where Baker was behind a 
you know, pretty good offensive line, and he still looked bad. Yeah. So, P.J. Walker, I think he deserves to be a backup in this league for a long time based on his performance with Carolina. He yeah. just seems like the kind of guy who can inject some uh, life into a struggling offense, I guess. Not going to win a Super Bowl, not going to take you to the playoffs, but if you need him to win like a game or two, he might do it. That's the way I look at him. And and I don't I don't have like inside knowledge, but he seems like a real good locker room dude. I mean, I think he kind of has to be considering he was he stuck around as the fourth quarterback with really no no guarantee right. he'd have, even have a roster spot. Like the fact that he even got a chance to start is a miracle because of the fact that Matt Corral got hurt and Sam Darnold got hurt in the preseason before Panthers even took the took the field for their first game. So. Yeah, and I think that's almost almost more important than anything is you need your backup quarterback to be like a good film room and good locker room guy. Yeah. Because you're generally operating under the assumption that you need your starter to win games and the backup's just like, hey, can you spot start maybe and then like be don't a lose the positive game. Right, yeah, don't lose the game and then be a positive presence for the team the the ninety five percent of your job when you're never on the field. And I think PJ Walker's good at that stuff. Yep, I would agree there. I really wish we could see Matt Corral this year, but yeah, that would have been cool. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's it's really unfortunate for him, but you, I don't think you can factor him at all when you're talking about uh, like targeting quarterbacks in the draft this year potentially or anything like that because just because like you don't, you can't, and and this is unfair, but you can't just pin your quarterback hopes on a late third round pick that hasn't shown any snaps. And then the only live snaps he had in the preseason, he was very, very bad. And yeah, obviously he did not look good. Obviously there's pl- there would if he didn't get hurt, he'd have plenty of time to improve on that, but there's nothing you have to see something to be like, nah, let's not we're not gonna go after CJ Stroud because we're gonna let Matt Corral have a shot. Like, sorry Matt, but you're gonna have to like like keep working at it. You'll get a shot eventually, but uh, you're going to have to fight over, like, you know, a, a, a higher prospect, which is possible to come out of that. Like, the, the like Washington took Robert Griffin III and Kirk Cousins in the same draft, and Kirk Cousins outlasted RG3. So, like, it's not unheard of for a lesser-known prospect if they play well enough for long enough to kind of work their way into... They already uh, drafted Matt Corral, so there's no reason to cut him or anything like that. Um, it's a dart. No. It was a it was a dart throw. They're gonna make another dart throw with you know a higher uh, pot- potential percentage of hitting. But I'm ha- very happy with you know Matt Corral, whoever they draft in the first round, and either Sam Darnold or PJ Walker coming in to be the veteran guy. I would not be upset with that quarterback room at all. I think. Well, did you say Sam Darnold or PJ, or PJ Walker? Sam Darnold or PJ Walker, one of the two, right. as the third yeah, guy. I, I, I think the most likely quarterback room is one of those. Yeah, it's one of those two. Yeah, Corral and a rookie. Yeah, because um, they have they'll have a defined backup there, even if Matt Corral's not ready, and right. let the guys just fight it out and see who works. Because worst case scenario, you burned a first round pick on a quarterback that you can develop if Matt Corral turns out to be the guy. I don't think he's going to turn out to be the guy, but there's apparently a lot of people out there who believe he will be. Or could be. Yeah, but there's say. a lot of, there's always people that are I mean, I was super high on Matt Corral. I was super excited that we got him. Um but like you know, he's still a long shot. 
to be a successful NFL quarterback. Right. As are most third round rookie quarterbacks. So Right, yeah, like like I mean like look at the last quarterback class where like uh they had all the first round picks like it was you know, um Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Mac Jones and uh Justin Fields. And then Davis Mills was like the the that like next tier in like the late round, like the second or third round or whatever he got picked. And he's been fine, but also like he's really bad. It's just kinda how it yep. works. There's a reason they go in the third round. Right. Yep. Projection for the most part. Um so. it would be nice to end up with CJ Stroud. I not gonna happen, John. I'm sorry to burst that bubble. Jew is very funny though. Uh Right now, the Texans would pick first, and they would pick one of the two quarterbacks. And then the Bears are second. They would not pick a quarterback. So there's a, there's a trade-up opportunity there. Um, the, of the next four picks, one of them is the Panthers, and the other three go to, to, team, go to other teams or traded picks. I do enjoy that a lot. Like, Number three would be the Rams. They, they gave that to the Lions. Number four would be the Broncos, but that's going to the Seahawks. Then number five is us. And then number six would be the Saints, but their pick's going to the Eagles. That one like, pleases me more than anything. I don't the know. Eagles, well, Saints, I mean, the Rams losing yeah. their pick to the Lions, I, guess, I mean, I'm like, cool for the Lions because it would be nice for them to be good, but I don't have anything against the Rams. The Broncos pick going to the Seahawks for Russell Wilson while the Seahawks are better at quarterback too. Like the Seahawks upgraded at quarterback and got the Broncos first round pick for their old quarterback. That's really yep. funny to me. And then the Saints giving up what's going to be a borderline top five pick because they really, really wanted to pick two picks last year. It just like basically we're like, we don't need to draft next year. We just want this year instead. Also very yeah. funny. Just lack of patience. Very close minded. Yeah, and it would have made it would have been a little different if Drew Brees was you know still in his like even the like late stages of his career, but he's not there anymore. And Jameis, if they have Jameis Winston right. and Taysom Hill and Andy Dalton, yeah. it's like okay, you could probably could have used that pick, guys. <laughs> yeah, you think they're they're probably really looking at that like like if I'm a Saints fan, I'm like man, it'd be really nice if we could just lose some games and get Will Levis or CJ Stroud, but no, no, we had to get we got Chris Olave for no one to throw to. Yep. At least for another year or so. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, at least the Panthers didn't trade away a bunch of picks for a quarterback. So. <laughs> at least we're, we're basically past that at this point. Yeah, exactly. Never happened. Um, so they have done else? well. They have done well on the whole. Like, I know we talked about the Scott Fitter with Matt Rule uh, being gone thing a couple weeks ago. But, like, They've they've done a pretty good job assembling a decent roster with in in light of the Sam Darnold blunder. Yeah, they have done a good job of that. They, it's like as much as many people are gonna like hate on Matt Rule, he he at least accomplished his goal of rebuilding the offensive line and building like a at least a solid defense. Like the quarterback thing has been a fiasco, but. Right. You know, like those two goals, he, he definitely delivered on them. So good luck to you in Nebraska, Matt Rule. Yeah, I don't I mean, miss good you. for him friendly on his feet, though. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm sure that uh, even if he, I'm sure that if he didn't land on his feet, his life would be ruined with that whole like you know seventy million dollars that Dave Tepper gave him or whatever. You know, I I just ignore money when I talk about these situations. Right. I know. I, I am just as jealous as everyone else when it comes to like their uh how much money they have, but like I don't think it I don't think it takes too much sting out of the the job situation, right? Because like what what you make up for, or what what you gain out of like, well, I got so much money to like lose my job. You kind of the 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 uh, trade off to that is like you very publicly get let go of from your job, which comes with it some shame, I think, and you have to kind of eh. compartmentalize it. I'm sure I, he could I take thirty million of that and make himself disappear. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, like there, I. I would love to have $30 million and I would absolutely trade it. Like take that. But like if, if I suck at my job and I get fired, like a few people know, like millions of people don't know. Like, Hey guys, look at how bad this guy is at his job. Look at how terrible he is. Let's all point and laugh and make fun of him and eh. watch him lose his job and become unemployed. He has the means so. to change his name and change his identity and change where he lives. So, but that's also not going to happen because of, you're always like once you're Matt Rule, you're always Matt Rule. Yeah, give it a couple years. I'm sure people will forget. <laughs> I don't know. He's in Nebraska now. That's also very, very. Hard well, yeah. Well, he did that to himself. If he wanted to disappear <laughs> himself, he absolutely could have. I've watched Breaking Bad, John. There's a way. <laughs> yes, the documentary <laughs> series Breaking. I've watched the documentary series Breaking Bad. I know yes. it's possible to do this. <laughs> it's very possible. Just subbing a, a football coach for a chemistry professor. That's all. Right. Same it's the only difference. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anything else we want to touch on before we uh, head into the bye week, John? Nah, I'm good. We're just going to come back next week and look forward to the to the Seahawks. West Coast 4 o'clock game. Oh, God, it's another 4 o'clock game. I hate it. Okay. Well, from everyone here at the Keep Sounding Podcast, this is Brian joined by John as always. Stay tuned, stay safe, stay healthy, enjoy your bye week, and we will talk to you next week.